I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breton Cliff's Flea Circus. My name is Cliff and tonight I'm joined by Denny Depatches. Thanks very much. Yes, I will read a rope at that. No, of course I'm not Denny Depatches because he doesn't exist. Who is I Denny am Brett. That's You're me. Brett, okay. Nobody knows. Nobody knows, do they? Good Nobody t-shirt though, isn't it? Who is Denny Depatches? It, it just came out of your crazy mind, didn't it? <laughs> Drunken I've mind. Loads, I've had loads of people messages like about that saying, "Oh, I was like laughing." I burst out laughing when I heard that. I'm like, for fuck's sake! Like we write, I write loads of stuff down every week. Like that <laughs> might be funny, and then I I can't read my own writing, and it's like the only time yeah. I've ever had messages saying, "Oh, that was class." <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, nobody has realised that you were absolutely mortal drunk yet. I know. I know. You kind of got away with that. <laughs> Doubly bad, isn't it? So Doubly bad. The football's yeah. on. Um, the football is on. Everyone's gone football crazy. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk a bit about it. Um, but before yeah. we do that, I think the first thing is like fucking hell, Christian Eriksen. I mean, what an awful thing to watch, not watch. To be honest, I didn't yeah. see it because I switched it off just before it happened. Or I, right. I flicked the channel or I turned away or something. And uh-huh. I, I me. Mean, WhatsApp group with the football lads was like, fucking hell, what's just happened to Ericsson? Uh, uh-huh. And I thought, and then I saw, oh, shit, they're doing CPR. I thought, I, I can't put the telly I back on watch it. just to watch that. You know what I mean? That's no. very yeah. ghoulish. Um, it, it, and yeah, I saw people, more. Yeah, I saw people quite upset at how much they did see and stuff anyway. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I, I kind of, I didn't watch that. Mm-hmm. But fucking hell, they've saved his life. They've saved, these people yeah, they have saved his life. And that is... Absolutely amazing. Well, what happened with me was I was watching the game and the wife came up, right? It's the first game that you watch. So she came up and then five minutes later it happened uh, when he sort of collapsed and stuff like that. Um, So I watched it. I kind of wish that I hadn't have watched it because it was was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, Um, I've never been in a situation where I've seen stuff like that before. Yeah. Gladly. But yeah. I've I've saw it on the television now, which, yeah. which is which is awful. So it was it was shocking. But I think like the coverage of it and stuff like that was just disrespectful to, to Christian Erickson and his family. It was it was awful. I think so. I, I, I think well I think I think I should have 
you know, I can take responsibility for me watching it, right? Because, like, I probably should have switched it off because it upset us. But what I couldn't take responsibility for is, is like, my 15-year-old son, who was at his mate's house watching the game, and he watched okay. it and he was upset. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Uh, I never thought about I that. Thought I didn't think about, like, kids I watching it. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. stuff like that before in person and stuff, so it's, like, it's not nice. Yeah, I haven't. Obviously, it's not nice anywhere mm-hmm. you look at it, and it's not nice for the family. It's not nice to know that that was being broadcast around the world if you're part of that family or him or his wife or, or his mom or dad mm-hmm. or whatever. I think what there needs to be some kind of emergency protocol or something like that for live TV, doesn't there? Yeah, Where if, if something like that happens, it automatically cuts to the, to the studio. Because I remember as a kid watching the wrestling, I stopped up to watch the wrestler. And a wrestler called Owen Hart was mm-hmm. doing this kind of stunt in yeah, the ring. Yeah, he died, didn't he? And there was an accident. He, mm-hmm. he died. But they didn't show anything. The Americans didn't show mm-hmm. anything. That You know, it went to the, the commentators or whatever. Yeah. So it's not as if it's never happened before. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. But I think it's hard to say without being in that studio where they're going, right, cut it away now. Let's go back to them now. The guys in the studio probably weren't there or you know what i mean they'll be watching yeah. the game or wouldn't be watching what it to on the, the same as everybody else yeah they? they wouldn't have known what to see you go back to them and they've all of a sudden got to be respectful and calm course, and all that stuff difficult, that, that probably difficult very, job. It's, look it's a very very difficult situation i would imagine the bbc now have something in place that goes right if something like yeah. that happens well, again this so. happens. but they probably yeah. i think the main thing is he seems to be all right which is i know crazy which is I'm, amazing I'm, well done to the ref. Well done yeah, to the uh, Kaya and Schmeichel and all yeah. of the Denmark teammates. I tell you what wasn't incredible: the fact that they made them play an hour later or whatever. That was an, uh, another disgrace. Yeah, from good old UEFA. Yeah, and I mean, you know they awful. were saying, "Oh, they, you know, they wanted to play on," and I think it became me and you were talking on the night saying, um, "You know, they shouldn't have had the choice, really, should they? They're traumatized." Yeah. Guys, and just out of respect, never mind whether they're traumatized, out of respect, they shouldn't yeah. have happened. Oh, and I forgot to tell you, uh, an old fella crashed into us last week as you well. You did forget to tell us that. I did, yeah. Uh-huh. I was uh, I was at the shops, and he obviously didn't see us at all. I'd, I'd parked in the parking bay and stuff like that, and he just swung his car out, crashed into my door, and sped off. I tried to speed off, the traffic light stopped him. So okay. Had, like, run out and take a sort of picture of his uh, his license plate uh-huh. and stuff like that. But this all this workman bloke was like, did he just hit you like? And I was like, uh, yeah, he just hit us. And he sped off. I went, aye, aye, uh-huh. I've just took a picture. I would have grabbed him out the door and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> I was like, he's an old bloke? <laughs> you still would have done that? I was like, no way, I'm, I'm not doing that. But yeah, that was interesting. Anyway, we didn't phone the police or anything because it was, I mean, you can see there's a scratch on the car box. So what happened if you got him doing chores for you or something like that instead? <laughs> yeah, he's currently locked in the basement. <laughs> uh, That's I'll be, what and I'll be going in for my nightly wank once we finish here. <laughs> yes, indeed. Hey, Cliff, we've, we've had uh, somebody give a, a review on the, oh, on the Apple That's stuff. Nice, mm-hmm. Who was it? It's from uh, someone called Games Master thirty two thirty four, so that's nice, okay. isn't it? And he starts by saying, "Can he good show?" 
Okay, that's good. <laughs> Which is nice. Very entertaining show where Brett and Cliff cover cult movies and TV shows such as Predestination, Dread, Tomorrow People, and Geordie Racer. Have a listen. You will be entertained. That's so good. thanks for that, mate. That's yeah, because I'm getting one there. He hasn't, uh, he hasn't mentioned that we did the games faster. <laughs> no, I know. That's the thing. <laughs> it's a bit odd, isn't it? But yeah. uh, maybe he just doesn't know. Or maybe he hasn't got that far down maybe the list Maybe he hasn't got yet. that far. I can't remember what order we did these things in. But uh, he's called Games Master. I can't. If you're listening to Games Master, we've done one on you. Uh, I thought you were <laughs> going to say, and his review goes like this. Press up, down, left, right. <laughs> A start. A start. And then and you can access... choose your level on Sonic. <laughs> you'll access some <laughs> hidden podcasts. <laughs> I think I went into Jules Holland there, sorry. I'm you did a little bit, I was a bit confused. Yeah, I know. So I thought it was a hoot nanny rather than Games Master there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you wanted us to talk about Andrea Bocelli? Oh, yeah, of course, yes. I, I'm, I was looking forward to that. Now I, I think it's that. probably, I've overstated it a bit, but I have met Andrea Bocelli. It was a few years ago, there's a place here, it's run by Flavio Briatori, former QPR chairman and F1 boss, <laughs> and it's called... <laughs> The Billionaire Mansion. I think it's just called Billionaire now. <laughs> Drop the mansion right. bit, but the billionaire bit is important. Andrea Bocelli did a gig in this place, so it only seats about 200 people. A lovely, lovely bloke called Peter, who always like likes our tweets and stuff like that. Peter Redden, um, mm-hmm. he's a guy out here. Uh, brilliant Geordie fella. He has his own podcast yeah. uh, called Hollywood Balls, where he gets... Uh, Footballers, next footballers on it. It's it's good fun anyway. The football on a yeah. Saturday. So anyway, he was doing some PR for some part of this event, and he messages on the day. It was one thousand six hundred pounds to go to this, thing. and he goes, "Hey, I'm doing a bit PR for this, and I've got a couple of seats to fill. If you and Jane fancy it." So I thought, right, okay, we'll go. So we came back. We got uh, all dolled up, suit and tie, and all of that stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, we get there. And he's like, right, you're sitting over here, but um, you're on the Pirelli table. So essentially, we're meant to be Pirelli uh, yes. <laughs> staff. <laughs> Work for them, yeah. yeah. Um, so we went, and um, in a couple of minutes, we're going to go up into the penthouse where uh, mm-hmm. Andrea is, and you'll meet him. So Do you we think went, they could smell the shields on you? Well, these rich people. they didn't have to when we got up, <laughs> because... We were, we, were, we were well out of place. <laughs> and they're going, oh, so, um, yeah, so I, I'm uh, whoever, the MD of wherever, uh, you know, nice. Yeah. What do you do? And I was uh-huh. like, oh, um, you know, we're, we're, we're with Pirelli. I didn't want to go into it because we're with Pirelli. Yeah. We air of mystique. And Jane, I, ch- I checked the skids. I checked Jane, the skids, mate. <laughs> and just went, no, man, we're journalists. I've got no idea what's going on. <laughs> Brilliant. Well so done, anyway, Now we're in like a queue to shake his hand. And I've got massive respect for what he does and, and all of that. But I mean, what's he shaking? Like, what's the point in this? Yeah. Just so you can touch him, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, but I felt it's a like, bit bad. Like, yeah. we were imposters for a start. So, like, he wouldn't have noticed. Well, that's the thing. So I'm like, well, what's going on? Like, yeah. it's just he's just standing. I was going, oh, hey, I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, thanks for meeting us, and I'm looking forward to the show. 
and he's like, yeah. okay, and he's boss. And Flavio Briatore's there going, okay, come on, like, come over here. And I'm like standing <laughs> yeah. with him, and he's going, you want some sushi, <laughs> some champagne? I'm like, I'm so out of my depth at this point, I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I was like, I think we need to get back downstairs. Sorry, uh, we'll have to go. So we went back down. Well, you made your escape with all the well, people. Well, we went to some people. Well, I felt, I was, you were I didn't fitting know, in, man. I didn't know how long we were meant to stay there or whatever. <laughs> it's like, so after, it, man. after a while, we went downstairs. I'm sitting a meter away from the stage where he's where he's singing, like facing him. Like, these are the laugh. most expensive seats in the house. And we got to meet Peter's uh, uh -huh. mom and sister for the first time, who we're, we're good friends with now. They're really, really lovely people. Yeah. And he's sort of singing like no microphone or anything. And he's singing yeah. Ness and Dorma, Time to Say Goodbye, mm -hmm. and all of the, you know his opera stuff and the, the the pop pop songs that he's known for. And fucking yeah. hell, I mean, I had like tears in my eyes, a lump in my throat, <laughs> like, hairs on the yeah. back of my neck are standing up. This guy's voice <laughs> and like of people around are like weeping, you know, like because they love him. Like I'm like not yeah. that bothered, and I'm like kind of emotionally yeah. like invested in it. It was fucking brilliant. Anyway, uh -huh. it was brilliant. Champagne all night and all of that kind of stuff. And then it finishes. Flavio Briatore keeps coming on. And uh, Bocelli, I remember Bocelli saying, uh, he was going, this is the only chance you'll get to see him in this place like this. This amount of people, it's a favour. It's yeah. a favour for me. And I remember him saying, yeah, I won't ever play anywhere like this again. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that was your influence, Cliff? Uh, well, no, I just think it was like, he didn't really like I felt like he didn't know what he was like getting himself in for kind of thing yeah. um, anyway, it finished and Priatori comes back on stage thank you everyone for coming this was amazing like it's an absolute mm -hmm. honour and a pleasure anyway please stay there's going to be some music and drinks and it turned into like a bit of a disco with Flavio Briatori DJing <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's and he's like waving records around like uh, Fat Boy Slim does and stuff but he's playing, <laughs> but he's playing like eighties, eighties classics, like eighties, like right. still got the human league and stuff like that. Was like being out in Sunderland. Um, <laughs> oh, except he's got these two Russian like models, just like that yeah. posing next to him, and he's playing. Uh -huh. I just remember him playing uh, Wham. <laughs> Like, I don't want your freedom. We hadn't been here that long and it was like one of the, every now and then something like that happens in Dubai that you just end up in the middle of and you're like, nowhere else yeah. in the world would that would that have ever happened or would yeah. I be in that situation? <laughs> well, you've definitely never told us that story before. That's the first I've heard of it. it it's a good one. Because all of them are... The Can wife introduced me to him. Can he take uh, mind? The wife introduced me to him when I first met her, and uh, he's, he was just great. And on the opening ceremony and stuff, he was nearly upstaged by the little car, but he wasn't because his, his voice was so good. The little car hasn't <laughs> been brilliant. seen again. It hasn't. I mean, <laughs> we need to bring that back, don't we? Hopefully, it'll point. be back for the final or whatever. But yeah, carrying was... the cup that it... nobody knows the name of. <laughs> Even though you asked last Denny week. Denny Patches, isn't it? I think that's the name. <laughs> the Denny Patches trophy. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so that, that was, was funny. We've talked about football for a while, haven't we? So let's talk about your yeah. daft film. It's not a daft film. First off, it's a wonderful film. It's amazing. It, We're going to talk about Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. Yeah. Which is made by a company called 
Amicus. Mm-hmm. Now, did, when you were watching it there, Cliff, because I told you to watch it, hopefully you did. Yeah, I did. Did you think it was a Hammer film? Uh, I saw the sign at the beginning. And I remember you telling yeah. me there was another one, like the Hammer, that was called Amicus. But I can't remember, like, yeah. I can't remember the ins and outs of it, but I saw it come up and I was like, oh, I thought it was a Hammer, yeah. but I remember you mentioning Amicus, but I, I don't know what, what it's all about. Well, Amicus basically just kind of jumped on the bandwagon of uh, of Hammer when Hammer were being really successful with their films and stuff. They, they kind of just stole the idea. And the only thing that's different about it, I guess, is uh, the, the the films are sort of set more modern times. So this yeah. this film would have been set in nineteen sixty five, whereas the Hammer stuff was all gothic. Things when did this come like out? That. 65. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought it was the 70s for some reason. I... Did you? Yeah. yeah I it's, all, it's all the jazz, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what, what uh, Amicus did, I think there's a guy called Milton Sabotsky. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. like the one of them. And there was another guy as well who uh, sort of created this company. They stole all the, the Hammer actors, Cushion, Christopher Lee. And the directors as well. Okay. And the director of, of this one's Freddie Francis, who yes. is amazing. It's not just as a film. director. Yeah, not just as a director. He's, he's brilliant and loads of other stuff. He's, he's like good at cinematography and things. And he's probably done the best cinematography that I've seen, right? Because oh, he, he did the cinematography for The Elephant Man. Oh, and, really? Okay. Yeah. And the Cape Fear remake. He's a cinematographer on that? The director of it? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, that film, it, it, well, it's it's just wonderful, that film. Well, it's isn't one it? of our favourites, isn't it? It is. He also won two Oscars, but not for those films. Uh, he won uh, an Oscar for cinematography, Sons and L- Lovers, and Glory, which I haven't seen Sons and Lovers, but oh, it's I've What's seen bits of Glory. I haven't watched it all the way. Glory, you know the the war film, the the, the American Civil War film. Okay, okay. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. He has also directed Son of Dracula. Oh, the Ringo Starr and Harry Nielsen film. <laughs> yes, there's a couple of uh, Beatles sort of links which I'll, I'll go on to um, a little bit later. And one that you always talk about, uh, Saturday night and Sunday morning, was the cinema. Okay, honestly, well. I had no idea about that. Um, but great, mm-hmm. but that film's amazing. I love it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, honestly, well, we, I mean, we should maybe do it for this, and if you haven't seen it, because it's uh, mm-hmm. it's such an influential film in terms of what it's about, the cinematography yeah. and the direction and the performance, uh, the performances in it, like it's it's superb. So yeah. Oh well, wow, I didn't know that this guy did all of that stuff. Um, uh-huh. I mean, this is uh, not like any of those things. <laughs> it's not like any of those things at all, is it? I mean, this is a an uh, anthology film or a portmanteau film. Yeah, yeah. film. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Amicus were famous for these. They did like they did other sort of standalone films and stuff like that, where there weren't anthologies and things. But they're remembered by horror fans for the anthologies. Because okay. to be honest, all of them are great. Okay, and this well, one is my favorite. I one. love this. <laughs> you loved it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you loved it. That's Although, good. there's no, it's not a house. No, it's not a house. Very so, <laughs> misleading. That the title of the film is very misleading. 
<laughs> so the, the idea of the film is that five strangers get on a train mm-hmm. and they're joined by the wonderful Dr. Shrek, yeah. who is Peter Cushion. And Shrek translates as terror? It does, actually. Does, I does it actually? It <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, I did have to check it, but yes, it does. So, yeah, he joins them, and he's kind of asleep, and he, he drops his tarot cards, yes, doesn't he? Does. Uh-huh. And he basically what he does is he reads the future of all the passengers, and yeah. the outcome is not very good. The future a is tarot rather dim. card reading for all of them. These five yes. strangers on a train that happen to be mm-hmm. around them, and yeah, uh, yeah, he reads their future, and and some of them are into it a bit more than others. But anyway, he goes, "Oh, you've got this card, this card, this card," and then it mm-hmm. drifts off into the scenario that he tells them is going to play out yeah. once they get off the train, or just sometime in the future. Just the future. Just the future, okay. and the only way out of it, the only way out of the future is death. That's the only way out of it, because yeah. that's that's always the last card that he pulls. Yeah. So on on the train is Christopher Lee, who Amazing. is the most obtuse man. <laughs> I've ever Christopher seen. Lee's fantastic. Oh my God, you're believing this rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> He's superb. He is. I love how he he's is. not like obviously he's not the bad guy in it. You know what I mean? He's not the Dracula or whatever. Yeah. He's usually a menacing uh-huh. character. I think Peter Cushion is the greatest actor that ever lived. I this love Peter superb. Cushion. He's amazing in this. Uh, this is and there's loads incredible. of other stuff that he's classic. I, I can't. Yeah. I I haven't seen him in enough things, so I I need to see him yeah. in more stuff. He, this is just it's. Amazing to watch. It's just beautiful. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, he's even it's so good. Putting on a German accent and stuff like that, and he's just wonderful. He's quite big so like, and he's uh, and he's yeah. approach. I think he's quite nice at the start when he gets on the train. Though there's a great shot of him where they're all sitting on the train, and then there's like smoke out the window, and he kind yeah. of rubs the window like yeah, that. That's yeah, a yeah. brilliant shot. And there's another shot as well where he's, he's sitting on the on the train and the camera is behind his head and it kind of catches every single yep. passenger at the yep. same time and they all look at him. So he's quite nice at the start until he sort of drops his tarot cards and stuff like that. Who else yes. is in this carriage, Brett? Because it's a, <laughs> a stranger bunch of people as you're ever going to meet. It's a mixed bag of nuts, it this is. carriage, isn't it? <laughs> we have... The wonderful Roy Castle, who plays a character called Biff Bailey. <laughs> and would you know it, his segment, because an anthology is just basically different stories sort of overlapping a sort of larger story. So yeah. the larger story is them and the carriage mm-hmm. um, and, and Peter Cushion sort of telling their features and stuff like that. But wouldn't you know it? That Roy Castle gets his trumpet out in his sec- section. Yeah, he breaks a record, doesn't he? Yeah. And then we've got Donald Sutherland, your favourite. Um, I don't like Donald Sutherland. Dr. Bob Carroll. <laughs> you were telling me, you were messaging me. He's a lovely man, him. Uh, we've got Neil McCallum, who plays Jim Dawson. So we've got him on as well. And we've also got Alan Freeman, who plays Bill Rogers, who wasn't even an actor, just a radio DJ. Yeah, Alan Freeman, the DJ. Alan <laughs> Freeman. They're strangers, and they start talking to this guy. He drops his tarot cards, and they're all a bit like, oh, what's that then? And they're all quite kind yeah. of normal, boring guys. 
And Christopher, apart from Christopher Lee, who's immediately got his back up against this guy. Oh, it's nonsense. Can't believe you want to know what this is about. It's nonsense. Um, yeah. So anyway, he goes, well, does anybody want to try it out? And um, yeah, mm-hmm. the first... So and then we go into one by one the stories where at the end of it, something well something awful happens to them in the stories and then it goes back to the carriage and they're like, "Was oh, that really what's going to happen?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the last card? And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to tell you what the last card is. Don't, don't even know about well, that." Well, <laughs> they do force them at, at some point. I think I think it's the third person. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah. yeah, to show them the last card and the last card is always death. Yeah, so the, the various. Various stories that I tell. I think the, the first one's about a werewolf, which is good and has a little bit of a twist in it. Is it? <laughs> yes. Are you sure you watch this film, Cliff? That's, that's Neil McCallum. Uh, he plays uh, Jim Dawson. So he's like called back to his old home <laughs> to do some architectural oh, work yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Remember, yeah, uh, he's, uh, it's ridiculous. The entire premise is really stupid. Um, so he's an architect who sold his ancestral home uh-huh. to a lady. Yes. That lady then wants some work doing on the home and will only have him come to do the measuring uh-huh. and that. He gets to this <laughs> yeah. old spooky house in the middle of nowhere where there's like mm-hmm. a spooky uh, gardener, uh, an attractive but aloof young lady, and the mother uh-huh. of the house who he sold the, the home to, um, yeah. who's very nice. And uh-huh. um, she's like, yeah, basically, I just want to knock this massive wall down. So is that all right? And he's like, I better have a look in the basement and that first, which is ridiculous. And then for some reason, he's knocking a little wall through in the basement. No need for him to do that. And he uncovers what is the coffin of the man who... Used to own the building that he went. Oh yeah, our family. Apparently, we nicked this off them. Um, you know you what? missed a, a large chunk of the story. We better have a look at what's in that coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. What you should do? Bring that wall back up. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> yeah. You you have missed a large chunk of the story, but there you go. What's but the then there's, there's a the twist in. Well, and it, he goes in and she tells him what he wants to do and stuff like that. And he says, yes, I'll be able to do that. That's no problem. And there's like locked doors. So the, um, the basement's locked and he asks why it's locked and things like that. Um, that and then he eventually gets in. So they're kind of leading him in. But yeah, there's a, there's a twist in the tale. I, I think people should watch this film if they haven't seen it. Then I don't think we should spoil much, but oh, you don't want to do there's spoilers a twist on this in the tale at the end. Okay. Like all good anthologies, <laughs> like all good anthologies, there's there's normally a twist at the well, end of the he story. He has his mistake. Um, and there's a twist in this. Opening one. the fucking coffin. He's an idiot. Guess what's coming? To him after <laughs> <that>. <laughs> uh, yeah, he creates silver bullets, doesn't he? Which uh, which is nice because everybody knows that you've got to get. A werewolf with silver bullets, but uh, they taken from by the protagonist of the story, who is, if you want to do spoilers, I'm not who, about doing can it. you remember? I've forgotten half the story, so why would I do the spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is the, the, the lady of the house who employed him in the first place? She apparently to solve or to, to get, I think the guy's called Cosmo. 
<laughs> a bit like that program that we used to watch. Hey, Cosmo! That one. <laughs> to get him back, to, to sort of bring him back from the, the dead, um, the person who killed Cosmo, one of his ancestors, is going to be forced into the coffin. I mean, it's and that's eventually. Is that really going to be the rule for that? I mean, it's daft. It's good. I, look, I like it because they're all mental. Yeah, Cosmo! Cosmo, I'm going to bring you back. I've got this fellow coming around, the architect. I'm going to get him in the coffin. <laughs> yeah. So the, the the lady that employed him, she's the she's the she's the, the lady. Wheel, I think you'll she? find the lady called Dibs. Is <laughs> the <wheel. laughs> So yeah, she's the the wheel. So it, we assume he dies, but we don't know. He gets the death card. Anyway, no, no, we don't. Which know. is the we only don't. way that you can solve it. Yeah. yeah. So that's him. Um, the next one is the creeping vine. <laughs> can you remember that? Yeah, one? this is ridiculous. This is this is the worst. This is the worst one, isn't it? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not the worst one. I love this one. I love this one. That so, one shot of the vine coming in the window yeah, while the guy's amazing. typing, and it gets closer to the back uh-huh. of his neck. Yeah, loved it. Loved it. If you like the triffids, you like this. That's what I say. So the DJ, <laughs> he comes back from holiday only to find a creeping vine that seemingly, <laughs> right. Disarms people, especially with shears. It's come out of nowhere. It has. I love I love the way that he tries to cut it down with the shears and it just chucks the shears away. <laughs> flings them. So so what do you do in this eventuality? Why you go to the Ministry of Defense <laughs> and tell them about it. <laughs> and who's that? The Ministry of Defense. It's M. From the James Bond films. Okay, I don't know that. I didn't. I didn't know that. Uh huh. Well, it's him. So he, he brings them back to the house, and that—that's the bit that you were talking about, where the fella, one of the Ministry of Defence fellas, gets strangled by the vines. Stupid! This is a normal man who's come back from holiday, and he's like, uh-huh. "Fucking hell! That, that plant wasn't there when we left, was it?" And his wife's like, "Nope." He's like, "All right, well, yeah. I'll, try, I'll try and cut it down then." It throws his shears away. And he's like, "Better get on to the fucking MI5 for this." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's the normal I mean, course. To be of fair, action. he was right too, but he was he like was right response at the time. <laughs> he was right too, but M from um, from James Bond takes it a little bit too far because once he realizes that uh, the vine has a mind and a brain or whatever. He keeps saying over and over again, this plant could take over the world <laughs> all the time. That's all he says. It, it, I don't plant know what like the plant could take over the world. I don't think there's the plant's end game is that. I think the plant just wants to grow around that house. Yeah. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does. So they, they get trapped in the house eventually. And M, being the good MI5 agent that he is, leaves them to the deaths. <laughs> <laughs> he just escapes. And just... leaves them, seemingly to be eaten by the vine. Yeah, I think he gets eaten outside, doesn't he? It reminded us of that Stephen King one we watched in the supermarket. Ah, it did me as well. Did me the mist a little bit like that, a little bit. No, so next, entirely. Yeah. Okay. Next, who we have we, next we is have, Roy Castle. <laughs> we'll have Roy Castle, and this this one's called Voodoo. So, do you do voodoo? Uh, do you do voodoo? I do do voodoo. Do you do judo? Do you do judo? 
Um, what do you think of this one, Cliff? Uh, I think it, I think Roy Castle, who let it be no, let the record hear <laughs> that yes. I've never I've never liked this man, and this hasn't changed. Have you not? <laughs> Have you not? Why? Is it is it the record? Is it the fact that you didn't break a record? Uh, I might have broken many records, but he did not acknowledge any of them. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I didn't used to like the TV show Record Breakers. Not even when Chris Agabusi came on it. It's boring. I didn't use. I used to like cartoons. I didn't used to like the ones with people on. I never used to like. Did you not? Blue Peter. Never used to like Newsround. Never used to like this. Uh, I'm not bothered about whatever record, stupid records are trying to break. Like I'm genuinely couldn't couldn't care less about whatever they are. <laughs> but I didn't expect him to just crop up in a film like this, and I didn't I didn't like his uh, quips in it. He's he's trying to like his character is like the Joker, isn't he? Yeah, he's the Joker. Yeah, the Joker's the, always the get killed in horror comic films. Relief. Well, everybody gets whoops. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. So yeah, he's a he's a funky jazz musician in London, isn't he? And he gets a gig in the West Indies. What do you think That's of his uh, What do you think of his band? Uh, I think it's the Tubby Something Quartet, isn't it? Yeah, Tubby Hayes. Music. I, I I thought it was like banging in that. That's what I thought. I thought it was rude. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they go back there, the West Indies, and he's made Kenny Lynch's there playing a bit of calypso. Well. A high point of the film is seeing Kenny Lynch uh, singing, acting, and I know he did the score for the film as well, I think. Well, I think that uh, Tubby guy was supposed to, wasn't he? Or anything. But Kenny Lynch is great, isn't he? So he's in there playing Calypso, and he says, don't go anywhere near voodoo and that, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Uh, you've just got... So basically, they're taking over from him, like he's just finishing his season. <laughs> anyway, but do, you, do think, you think that Roy does he listen? Of course, he doesn't. Of course, he doesn't because despite his boyish good looks, he's a bit of a tearaway, isn't he? Um, yes, he decides to follow one of the sexy lady barmaids to her yeah. a jungle dance, and that is a dance in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, he's promised like scantily clad. Ladies, and he gets no such thing, does he? Because they've all got a lot of clothes on these women. So he gets women doing uh, some. I mean, if if you want to see the dancers in full, I think it would be mm-hmm. quite erotically charged. But you can't see it. But what you do nah. see is a lot of topless men that surround him, which is you do. extremely funny. I think. So he goes to the jungle where these uh, the voodoo ladies who are working the restaurant are doing their dancing. And to be honest, he's not that bothered about getting involved. He's taking notes on the music in the shrubbery, mm-hmm. isn't he? So he can go yeah. back and enhance his band's sound. <laughs> and turn it into jazz. He's going to turn the voodoo beats into jazz. It's mental. He's like got a notepad going, yeah, like bit of drumming like that I'll do some of that drumming <laughs> yeah I, I don't know how it uh, he's turned it in what's, yeah, but what's he writing I've down I've got no idea I've got no uh, absolutely no idea because it, it's a very fast drum beat isn't he he must be able to write his music very quickly I don't know what he's so he he writing music so what the fuck is he writing down do some of the fast drum. wait 
I think he is writing music because he puts the, the lines, the, the four lines down. Yeah, he does. Yeah, you're right. You know, he does. He does. He does. But what's funny is uh-huh. every time it goes back to him, there's another massive Caribbean guy <laughs> yes, standing behind him menacingly. Uh-huh. And then it goes back again. There's another uh-huh. one and another one and another one. Uh, yeah. Until uh-huh. he gets, uh, he gets accosted, accosted, doesn't he? Yeah. He does. He gets accosted and he gets warned not to steal the voodoo god's music. But does he listen? No ways, Roy Castle, he can do what he likes. So, yeah, he goes back to London, plays the voodoo anyway, and all hell breaks loose, and he's chased by an invisible enemy back to his home, who seemingly gives him a heart attack for, for doing it. Kenny Lynch warned him now. That's right. Next, we have, for me, the greatest segment which is Christopher the Lee. disembodied hand. Yeah, the disembodied hand. So Christopher Lee is like a, a snooty critic, isn't he? He's a and snooty he's, uh, art critic? He doesn't even yeah. like art? Nah, and he's he's criticising uh, Alfred's art as well, isn't he? Yeah. So that's even worse. <laughs> I mean, fancy fancy criticising Alfred's art. He's, he's, a, he's wonderful in this as well. He's, he's brilliant. Uh, Michael Goff is his name. So he's a critic and he's he's sort of criticising the art and stuff like that. So Michael Goff says to him, well, what about this picture? Do you like this one instead? And he goes, oh, that's much better than yours. That, that, that's wonderful. <laughs> and the artist, there's another one that reminds us a bit of Vic and Bob. The artist is a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's amazing! It's so good. (laughs) You see, I I love how insane all the stories are and stuff. I I just love it. He's a monkey. So obviously, Christopher Lee's now been discredited in the eyes of the of the art world, doesn't he? Because he prefers monkey art to artist art. Uh And Michael Goff keeps following him around and stuff like that. He doesn't make monkey noises, but he, he draws pictures of monkeys out when he's trying when he's trying to talk. So what yeah. does Christopher Lee do? The only thing he can mows him down. Mows him down and, and somehow manages to sever his hand. <laughs> he so does he flattens his arm and the hand bit <laughs> and his hand falls. The hand bit falls off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly oh, what happens. Man. And uh, uh, <laughs> Michael Goff kills himself because he can't live with obviously one hand. Well, now he's and a as soon as he does, paint, isn't it? Yeah, well, you can now paint with the other hand. I don't know. Don't know how it works. Or oh, if you've seen my left foot, you do there's a little bit of a tip for him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, as soon as he kills himself, Brett. the Hand comes after him, doesn't it? Yes. He should he oh. should have captured the monkey and got the monkey to do the art and pass it off as his own. He should have done that. He's definitely like, everybody have would have been happy. He would have been a survivor and would be celebrated as being a survivor. His art also would have found favour with Christopher Lee's art critic, and therefore <laughs> both of them would have been happy. And you know. We could have gone on. We could have, both could have gone with their lives. Yeah. But instead, could have gone on he, that. he killed himself 
and his old hand follows Christopher <laughs> Lee around very slowly. And the old hand's wonderful as well. It has various abilities, including being able to leap on windshields, yeah, being well. able to climb up the windows in that, and terrifies Christopher Lee and makes him crash his car, doesn't he? And blinds him. So there you go for that. The last one, vampire one, got a sexy lady in it, and it's got your mate Donald in, hasn't it? And a little is bit she of a that twist. Sexy, at the, end. the lady, is she that sexy? I think she is. Yes, I mean she's a vampire and she's a lady. Well, they're both sexy things, but I don't think yes. like she's not as good as some of the some of the ladies in these films. Is she? She's all right. <laughs> yeah, I think she's quite sexy. I think she's as well. But yeah, it's a very quick one. The last one with a bit of a twist at the end. It's but then we we'll get. I think it's uh, it's daft that one. It's daft. You don't like it, do you? Well, the thing is, I think they're all a little bit silly. But they are that's all why a bit I love daft. them. Yeah, they are all a bit yeah. daft. But I think with this one, I don't know. Like you're watching it. I watched this bit twice because I was like, "Have I missed something here?" But like, no, mm-hmm. you haven't. It just goes from, "Oh fuck." Like this thing's happened, and the doctor goes, "Might be a vampire," and he goes, "Yeah, probably my girlfriend. I'll kill her then." <laughs> and he's got absolutely no proof that his girlfriend's a vampire and he puts a stake in the heart in the middle of the night after he's yeah. had made sweet sweet love to her well you want to get everything you can out of her before you kill her surely <laughs> that's how it works <laughs> initially sort of Christopher Lee's the one that's dismissive of everything isn't he and he's He's sort of much like he is as a critic. He's dismissing art. He's also yeah. dismissing um, Doctor Shrek's story and the tarot cards and stuff like that. But when it goes back to the um, the train carriage and stuff, Christopher Lee suddenly panicking, isn't he? Yeah. He's suddenly sort of buying it. Where, and he says something like, "Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? Who are you? Who are you?" And he says, "Have you not guessed yet?" Have you and not that's really yet? sinister and good. Yeah. I love that bit. Yeah. So. They pull in uh, the train station eventually, quite relieved that they haven't died because they think that that's what's going to happen. The train's going to crash. And they're sort of in purgatory, I guess. I think that's where they are, aren't they? Yeah, because they come out the train, then all of a sudden they're just on this train. Like the train's not there. Like they're -hmm. they're just in this kind of foggy platform. And uh, Peter Cushing turns into a skeleton face and then turns back into himself. And uh, that's right. Yeah, he's, they he find is... a newspaper in the wind, yeah. which says that they have actually died. Five people have died. That's good. Like it's, it's a really a, good a end. Great it's a Really good end. Yeah. You know, Peter Cushing turns into quite a, a, a scary. You know, if you haven't worked it out yet, the fact he turns into a skeleton, like the yeah. death card of the tarot card, says he's <laughs> he's death, and then yeah. he turns back into himself and kind of walks off into the mist. As this car, mm-hmm. this paper falls down, five dead yeah. in train crash. That's it. It's just uh, a. Good, I, I think as a kid, I, I mean, because I think I, I I caught this when I was probably a teenager, probably about thirteen. It was like winter outside and stuff like that, and that's the first time I saw it, and I just loved it. I loved how you know there, there'll be a different story every fifteen minutes and things like that, and I I love all the amicus anthologies. I think this and is it, a... it's gonna uh, inspire like. Inside number nine and all that oh, kind of, of stuff. Of course it has, it? yeah, yeah, of course it has. 
Have we got a quiz? We have, if you've got time. It's about doctors. First question. Which A-list actor was hounded by the locals in Newcastle this week, eventually pleading with them, leave us alone, man? Uh, I think it was Dr. Indiana Jones. Harris Mudford. Which doctor was one of the original 23 characters? Which doctor? (laughs) Not that song. (laughs) Was one of the original 23 characters invented by the creators of EastEnders. Dr. Leg. I knew you'd get that one. I think you'll do all right (laughs) on this one. Next one. Which Brazilian international, who was capped 60 times (laughs) between 1979 and 1986, has a medical degree, earned him the nickname The Doctor? Dr. Socrates? Yes, as I call him, Socrates. The former head of which food manufacturing company was once an active member of the Third Reich's XS division? I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to say Dr. Kellogg. (laughs) (laughs) He just liked the wanking. No, it's Dr. Oetker. Oh, the pizza man. The pizza man, eh? Nazi. Don't buy that shit. That's what I say. You're definitely going to get this one right. Right? It's the last one. Which manager became the first manager born outside Britain or Ireland to manage a top division club in England? Is it Dr. Joseph Fenglos? You know it is, don't you? (laughs) Well, thanks for your quiz. Music! We've got music and and I enjoyed it. I listened to it just before we came on. And it's from Northern <laughs> Revelation. A three-piece band from the good old Merseyside. Yeah. That's who it is. Yeah. And, the song, and it's called Divide and Rule. Yes, yeah. Divide and Rule. Yeah, it's really good. I really like it. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, even though it's not in a house. Go he on. calls these cards, these tarot cards, the uh, House of Horrors. Oh, does he? Okay. Aye. And they still wanted to know the answers. Still, still want to do it. <laughs> Blame Castle for that. That's what <laughs> it was Castle's fault. <laughs> Idiot. Right. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Here is Northern Revelation. See you next week, or you'll hear us next week. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.